We take a bottle of Merlot and a shot glass. All I want to do is replace the bottle with the shot glass, the shot glass with the bottle. We're all on the same page. Great. <laughs> I cover the bottle with this lovely empty canister. You shove your fist in it, too. It's oh, oh. Frisco. Oh. <laughs> then we take this other empty canister. I'll save this one for after the show. <laughs> We cover our shot glass. Now, ladies and gentlemen, I'm gonna need your help here, okay? When I count to three, I need you to say that magical word that's gonna make it all happen. Tuck-tastic. One, two, three! Tuck-tastic! <laughs> Magic! This was a really good week for Nina West and all of us out there rooting for Nina West. Uh, Absolutely. Yes. It was I mean, uh, a fantastic week. I was laughing my ass off and cheering and, you know, twirling around in my caftan. It was fabulous. Oh, my gosh. I just I mean, I can't wait to talk about the caftans because that's I mean, caftans. That's your aesthetic. That's it, your it's aesthetic. like an elevated <laughs> towel dress. The towel dress is like a fetal concept that turns into blossoms into a caftan. Sure. Um, sure. For me, for me, it's more like a like a cape. Like a, a oh. large, like witch's sorceress cape for me in the caftan, mm -hmm. uh, like wings. I don't know. I love that. Oh, sure. Well, something you can kind of like, you know, do that, do that, you know, Brooklyn Heights like swoop around, oh, you know? That yeah. was me. That was me at eight years old, Mary. <laughs> yeah. Well, that always makes me think of, of course, of course, you know, let this episode go along no further before saying the name Angelica Houston and the witches. Oh, oh, Mary. Oh, <laughs> Mary. <laughs> And I don't want to derail the episode, but I know that some Marys have shared this with us, and I want them to know that we hear them and feel them, that the news of the witches being remade with Anne Hathaway as the Grand High Witch. I mean, right on the heels of that Vulture Angelica Houston interview, which oh. if you have not read that interview, it is... Oh, wait, we'll talk about it at the end, Mary. We'll talk about it at the yeah. end. Put a pin in it, Mickey. Put a pin in it, Mickey. Yeah, yeah put a pin in that, darling. Yeah. <laughs> Because I want to talk about her Penny Marshall anecdote, but we'll get ah! there. Okay, sorry. Um, talk about no, magic, you know? <laughs> yeah, like, talk about magic. Um, so, uh, so yeah, so Nina um, in this challenge, I mean, the way that she was able, I mean, this is clearly her wheelhouse. You can tell that there was no... There was no nerves. This is like yeah. just just her thing. When she says, we take a bottle of Merlot and a shot glass. All I want to do is replace the bottle with a shot glass. The shot glass with the bottle. We all on the same page? Great. Oh, and I that was, moment. I, and she had uh, this like this, this, and this is, you know, my, this is my wheelhouse. She had this rasp in her voice. This, she, oh, she, yeah. There was the, it was this character. I heard it. Yes. This little Brent of a Caro-ish rasp that I was just like. Fucking Nina West. Like these nuances matter. Like Juju B in Snatch Game in season in season two, you know, with the line on her neck or season three. Uh sure. Season two. Sure. It's the line on the neck. It's those little nuances. They matter. Well, you know? well, and 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 that nuance is I mean, she goes with this character of naughty Nina, who's an alcoholic, right? So yeah. of course there's gonna be a little bit of a rasp, but you know, she's got the football shoulder, so she's a little huskier, you know, and it's mm -hmm. it all made sense in this character that that she created and meanwhile like we see plenty of Nina but I think what I love the most about this character or just this uh, challenge this week for Nina is that she completely transformed like this wasn't the Nina that we see in the workroom you know what I mean 
and then and even comparing it to say like the Nina in the Diva Worship Challenge when she's hosting mm. the you know uh, the the Britney Spears what I I can't remember the name of the the show but whatever it was um, that was a totally different character and just kind of seeing Nina be equally like at home in two totally different performances. Um, oh. It's just like it's so obviously we're big fans. I, if you haven't figured that out by now, like you just came out of a coma then. Um, and in that case, welcome back, honey. Um, yeah. But um, we're obviously big fans of Nina, but it just it feels so good to see her just like comfortable and just like knocking it out of the park. I think everyone oh. was saying that on in Untucked as well. Like it just everyone it felt so good to see Nina do well. <laughs> oh, yeah, completely. I mean, the, the part in her her act when she's a bottle for Roz. Mm-hmm. A bottle for Michelle. I mean, first of all, I was gagged at the magic trick because I don't really know how that magic trick is done. I'm sure that Ditto. I am, you know, I am, I'm pretty naive when it comes to magic tricks. I'm just very easily imp- impressed, which should surprise no one. Um, but, uh, but just the way that he or she kept going with each judge and pulling out a different thing. And then you got the wink from Catherine. Oh, I just thought it was so well done. The the one question I have, and this isn't shade to Nina, but it's more of inconsistencies across this episode is they were kind of reading the other team for being a little too blue or as Sugarcane put it off color. And Nina had the whole Crisco shove your fist in it joke. And I'm like, nobody clocked her for that. Well, you know, I think it's I, I think it's it, it all goes back to like what drag how drag race gets away with it. And you know, it makes me think about uh, the writers and the creators of the Golden Girls and they talked about the how they got away with certain things and it was like on the Golden Girls, what they did is they just had, you know, Estelle Getty say the craziest lines and it was like they would one of the things they would do is they kind of like throw out a whole bunch of jokes that they knew weren't gonna weren't gonna pass the censors, but they never intended to use them. But then there'd be these other ones that were a little bit more of a euphemism or, or a little bit more like, um, you know, not so obvious. And like those would just pass because the censors were so focused on the more obviously blue ones. And I think right. that's what was happening here was like, um, you can get away with the innuendos and the euphemisms, but I, it sounded like the other team was was going for more like, well, when trade comes on your face, here is a solution. <laughs> like, it couldn't be more in your face, like in your eye, you know? <laughs> Did you ever get cum in your eye, Gabriel? <laughs> yeah. If only he had the cone. I mean, <laughs> aim for the cone. I, I... <laughs> then it won't burn as much. Um, yeah. Yeah, I, there was there was some, you know, quote unquote, PG-13. Uh, I, I think Brooke curses right at the start of it uh and rupaul kind of does this like <gasps> kind of look uh at the start of the whole sketch but uh yeah mm-hmm. I, I i can't say enough about nina west in this episode and we'll continue to gag throughout uh w- i mean one of my favorite moments uh you heard in the intro uh which we'll get to uh during the rehearsal uh was just uh, she is such a sweet 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 little goose uh, and to see someone be that excited and and succeed and exceed expectations uh, just felt so good. Yeah, yeah, and I mean, I think that like Nina West's sort of like pure enthusiasm and like you know just her her positive energy on the show I think is like really great in season eleven when I think there's you know a certain percentage of fans I'm not going to say like the majority but a certain percentage that are kind of like. Oh, the show feels kind of produced, or oh, some of the joy's been taken out of the show, or like, oh, it's not like the same as it used to be. And I feel like 
Nina is a very refresh, especially, and it's so interesting as like a veteran queen is a very refreshing person to have on the mm. show because it's like, I mean, she doesn't harken back to the shady days of season two and season three, but I feel like she's kind of this like reminder of the joy of drag. And I think that's really helpful. Yeah. Oh, completely. There's, it's, it's interesting, right? Cause I mean, I, I've been listening to what's the tea and RuPaul has been talking about how she like, doesn't, she can't watch horror movies or like things yeah. that are too violent right now. She doesn't like seeing people being mean to others. And meanwhile, mm -hmm. like she's the, you know, a producer on drag race, which thrives on drama and conflict. And I, I feel like the show you would think that, you know, the Vanjie, Evie, Silky arguments drama that it it's going to fuel the fan base. But I feel like the response to Nina is one that they weren't expecting. I feel like people are watching the show and they're like, oh, no, actually, we want more of this. This is really fabulous. You know? Yeah. Oh, totally. I, I, I you know, obviously, and I've heard that that up the What's the Tea episode, Rue is talking about kind of basically like looking for kind media and i feel yeah. like nina and sugar like they're bringing kind media to drag race and yeah it's i mean i don't know i to me and i think that this is what they were saying on what's the tea is it feels very obvious to me why people would be drawn to that energy yes. especially right now i mean yes. like in some ways i'm like i'm i'm so happy <laughs> that like people yeah. are ha people are having that response because obviously like it's just a direction moving in the direction of kind media. I, I'm moving in the direction I I want to see things go as well. So yeah, um, and I and I think you you hit the nail on the head before when you said they're not gonna like drag Nina on this reality show because of the good that she is bringing to the world and and Columbus and now a larger platform. Like they're not gonna do her dirty like that. So it makes sense that you know they're giving her. You know, she has two challenge wins. She should have had more. Like, she she, she should have won Snatch Game, right? So, like, mm -hmm. they're – but they have to also produce this reality show and, and you know, the, the, the ways of VH1 and uh, reality television is conflict is king. And so Nina isn't necessarily bringing conflict. I mean, the whole thing with her and Brooke, I just didn't buy. I was like – the producers were like, hey, Nina – can you ham this up a little bit more? Like, that's just kind of what I felt it was. Like, I don't think that Nina felt any type of way except, oh, well, you know, that, that, that would have been nice. You know, like, I don't mm -hmm. think that it was, I don't think it was as big of a conflict. It was more of this act one gun that they needed to put in the beginning of the episode before having Nina win. Right. And to kind of create this tension of like Nina having something she needs to kind of fight against or rebound from, you know, this feeling of, oh, Brooke's overshadowing me or she's taking credit for effort I've put in. Now I need to shine on my own. Like, it creates a storyline. But, yeah. Um, yeah, to go back to what you're saying about Nina, yeah, like, they're not I, – they're not going to – I think maybe we talked about these either, either on the episode or off, but, like, the fact that in her talking heads they'll show her saying, like, now, listen, I'm not trying to sound, you know mm. – um, bitter or whatever like they're very generous in how they show her because it's like drag race would be like they would be doing such a shitty thing to like have Nina West leave this show looking like less of a, a, a you know a, a figure in the in the queer community you know like for all the good work that she does like I kind of think it's similar to how Chad Michaels was represented on the show you know like they never made a right. fool of her right you know there were and jokes with, but uh, she was in on them yeah you know? yeah same with Latrice I feel like Latrice was totally aware of all of that 
Yeah, and it's it's not exactly the same, but I feel like it it's somewhat reminiscent of how kimchi was treated. You know, mm. like the kid gloves. It's a version of kid gloves. Right. The, you know, the fuzzy the fuzzy pink monster gloves is, is yeah yeah it. yeah yeah. Um, I think that we should jump into this episode. I think that there's a lot to unpack in this episode. This was a, I mean, I got really excited uh, after this episode aired. Um, so, uh, without further ado, Mary, why don't you tell our Marys what they're listening to? Well, they are, of course, listening to another episode of All Right, Mary. All Right, Mary. Which is, of course, our podcast dedicated to all things Drag Race, the world of Drag Race, and the paradigm that RuPaul has created with this little beady beady TV show. I'm Johnny, and uh, it's just a bunch of hocus pocus. Yeah, and uh, and I'm Colin, and I was going to say, and I'm a virgin, but that's like a deep hocus pocus <laughs> reference, and I don't want to lead with that. Like, <laughs> and Mary, let's let's be perfectly clear. You're not a virgin. <laughs> no. I also can't drive, so. <laughs> She's not a virgin who can't drive. Who can't drive. Yeah, drive. It's drive. Can't drive. <laughs> oh, um, uh, I drive very sporadically, yeah. Um, <laughs> And we are, of course, honestly, continuing. honestly, Mary, I'm sorry. I'm sorry, but oh. you drive me crazy. You drive me crazy. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Well, pull up to the bumper, baby. <laughs> get out of my dreams. Get into my car. <laughs> I'm stalled. I'm stalled. I'm stalled. Um... <laughs> get a nice pink Cadillac over there. Um, so we are, of course, continuing our recap of season 11 uh, with the uh, Dragra Cadabra, the magic yes. show. Yes. Dragra Cadabra. Uh, Dragra. I can't say the name of the episode. <laughs> Dragra, this is like LAPZ all over yeah, again. Yeah, yeah, yeah. LAP Dra on me all over again. <laughs> LAPU. Um, Dragra, Bracadabra. Dragra, Cadabra. Drag oh, drag, Dragra, Cadabra, right? Dragra, Cadabra. It could have been Abra, Cadabra, Dragra, right? Uh, or Abru, Cadabra. Abru, Cadabra. This is awful. Yeah. <laughs> Not um, good. <laughs> you know what I would have called this episode if there was uh, a headline? I would have called it a sleight of hand because I think what a lot of people are talking about besides how fabulous Nina West was this week is Sugar Cane being in the bottom. And to me, that was the illusionists that are the Drag Race producers coming in and telling us, oh, actually, Sugar was in the bottom because... And then these judges just kind of like pulled rabbits out of their asses and and, and showed nothing um right and so so I, I i wondered if we could maybe start with sugar and and start talking about that elimination i think yeah let's start with that i i have obviously i'm sad to see sugar go i think that she's a great energy in the room she's again she's the jocelyn fox of the season and that's a compliment in my book you yes. know that's a queen that you're gonna go back and yeah. watch and realize god she killed it the whole fucking season yeah she's got a whole rack of sugar you know no sugar now that's a queen who had a whole rack of things i mean she had <laughs> she had a, a different look every episode yep even if yep. some of them didn't fully work like the like the troll look like it was never predictable. And at least you could say that you never knew what Sugar was going to come out with. And right. often it was great. I yeah. mean, you know, and I understand how she didn't, 
she wasn't matching the level that Nina or even Brooke were at in this challenge. I think there were some things she could have done to get there. It just seemed to me that they got to this point where they were like, it was almost like Trinity K. Bonet in season six. They're like, sorry, like you need to go home this week. Like, yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, there's, there's a, this is not new, right? This is not new for us to watch a reality show and see the reality show behind the curtain, right? Like, we yeah. know that they're producing story arcs and whatnot. And, you know, Sugar had her time on the show, she got very far. Um, and it, it's just not new. We've seen it before. I th- who went home too early, right? Like, um, uh, who was in the bottom too early, Mary? Can you think of any? Oh, like this season? Um, no, no, no. Like in Drag Race history, right? Oh, sure. Like queens who went home too early, like surprisingly early. I mean, oh, that. I mean, I mean, I think Acid Betty is a great example of a queen. Oh, who, oh, perfect example, right? I mean, she had a shitty snatch game, but it was yeah, it was too early. But yeah, I mean, that's yeah. She had a, a shitty snatch game, but she was doing well up to that, like doing really well up to that point, and obviously great runways, um, and an interesting you know figure in the reality TV portion of the show. Mm. So. Yeah, I mean, I think that Sugar was, you know, so I, w- I was thinking about them, <clears throat> excuse me, the scene when, or the moment when Rue was in the workroom and she was talking to Sugar and Nina and Brooke. And, you know, the three of them are genuinely, you know, generally pretty nice folks and very kind folks. And Rue was having kind of a playful conversation with them. And I thought, you know, there was so much kind of, there's so much conflict in the other, with the other four girls, you know, with, with uh, Evie and uh, Sugar, and, I mean, Evie, uh, Silky, and Vangie, that it was so mm. interesting kind of seeing this kind of just like pleasant, fun, calm interaction. And like, I think that's what Sugar was bringing. And I think it feels good, but I don't think it tells a, an interesting story, I guess. Yeah, that all makes sense to me. And I, I, There was an interview with Suga, I forget which news outlet it was, but basically Suga was like, "Um, yeah, I can't believe I was on the bottom, even after watching it, like, it's crazy that I was on the bottom. And she also said she doesn't know what she could have done differently, because had she, think about it this way, Mary, had she done more or, like, pushed herself more into the challenge it might have been too disruptive. Like the the fact that they had this kind of dance where Nina was main and then you had these two sexy little, you know, assistants worked. And, you know, Brooke was doing all of her dancing stuff and Sugar was just, you know, she was an assistant and she was part of two of the tricks. Like it, it, it worked. You need a straight man, no pun intended. Yeah, I think that, I mean, listen, I think... One of the greatest, one of the biggest reasons why she shouldn't have gone home this week is because she had the nerve to make a Jumpin' Jack Flash reference. <laughs> I'm a small brown woman in a big brown box. I, you know, one I'm of our so Marys tweeted, it. one oh, of our Marys so tweeted us that, it. and I, because I didn't notice it fully the first time, and then one of our Marys tweeted us, and I was just like, what? And then I remembered, and uh, watching it again, it, like that. Ugh. That felt so good. Yeah, and meanwhile, so you have Mich- you have Michelle saying like, "Oh, nobody got my Mrs. Roper reference." I'm like, "Girl, everybody got the Mrs. Roper reference. Did anybody get the Jumpin' Jack Flash reference? Like that yeah. was brilliant, right? Uh, it was so funny, and and she looked great. I don't know. I thought that she. I'm surprised that they didn't just have this be the winning team. But again, you know, the sleight of hand. Like they need to 
create what they need to create in the story. And for whatever reason, not for whatever reason, obviously there's a reason and good reasons, but Evie wasn't in the bottom or Silky wasn't in the bottom. And they should have been. One of them should have been. I, I certainly think Silky should have been in the bottom. I think they're setting that up. I, I feel like next week it could happen. Um, mm. I do want to say before we move too far from Sugar, I, I, this question, you know, obviously relevant, I think, with Plastique and things we've talked about with Silky, but it bears asking, because I was thinking about, like, what could Sugar have done? Like, and maybe, like, her performance was all good, but maybe it was just kind of amping up the volume of who she was in that group. And so I wonder... And I don't know what the right answer is, but uh, do you think that if Suga, for example, had put on, and she's done this with a few other challenges and many challenges, like kind of put on that, like, for lack of a better description, the like spicy Latina voice, you know what I mean? In the same way that Plastique would do the Vietnamese accent. And uh, I think I think that they would have found a reason to send her home. They would have been like, that was so obvious. That was a stereotype. I feel like if she had done something like, I don't know, uh, any voice, a New York voice, right? Like any type of character, it would have yeah. popped more. Um, but she didn't have any any type of character to her nuance. Not that Brooke really did, but uh, it was at least more, um, there was more development in what she was saying because she was also moving really, really well in that challenge, which made her stand out as this kind of dancer. And I, I feel like leaning into the stereotype, this wasn't the challenge to do that either. And I, I feel like, they were looking for any reason to put Suga in the bottom. The writing was on the wall, and that's that's just kind of is. Um, that's what it is. And Suga, you know, she didn't she didn't see the robots before they came and got her, you know, and stepped. So, yeah, she didn't see the yeah she didn't see the the you know the husbands coming to to you know coming to get her. Um, right, right. I just die if I don't do that magic trick. Yeah, right. right. Um, if I don't get out of this box, yeah. Um, <laughs> But I mean, you know, it would be a shame, and I'm not saying that that's the solution, but I feel like that may, maybe playing a character like that would have given her an opportunity to be bigger, would have, she would have maybe accessed a bigger personality with that. And it would be a shame if that would have been put, would have put her in the bottom for being, for example, like an overused stereotype, because like, let's just go there. I don't see anything different with what Silky did this week from what she did last week. I know, I know. It's so crazy that they're uh, reading Vanjie for not for always bringing Vanjie and not, yeah. you know, something else. And meanwhile, Silky has been playing Silky, you know, arguably very, I, I think, comedically and, and wonderfully. But she's been playing Silky in most of these challenges. Uh, and yeah. it's very funny, but so is Vanjie. So I don't know. I will say Vanjie, there was a dampening to Vanjie in this challenge, at least what they mm -hmm. showed us. Um, so I can certainly see that. But I didn't see like oh, that's Vanjie, right? I didn't see, as as Jinx Monsoon put it, DMX, you know? <laughs> DMX, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's a good way to put it. Yeah, yeah. She's kind of like DMX, yeah. <laughs> yeah, the DMX of drag race. Yeah, um, <laughs> yeah. The DMX of drag, yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, I think that whole idea of, like, you know, honing the, the Vanjie bullshit into a character, I, why is it, like... Silky, I mean, Suga obviously did not do that, and we don't know what would have happened if she did. Vanjie is kind of doing that. Plastique was doing a version of that. They're both getting read for it. What is it that Silky is doing differently that she's not getting critiqued in the same way? I don't know. Offering a storyline, offering a villain edit. I, I don't know, Mary. We're, we, have, we have yet to see what is... 
what's behind the curtain with Silky and and what's there. I mean, obviously, she's great TV. She's magnetic. She's very funny. She fills the workroom with questions. She's a producer's contestant. Um, I'm enjoying her. But at the same time, she's not killing the competition part, which, you know, people want to watch a competition and the reality show. And I feel like she's all reality. And that's what this season is thriving on, especially with Brooke and Vanjie, especially with Evie and Vanjie. I mean, that whole little corner is, is killing it. The dream girls, right? They have the, they have the three of them, Akira, uh, Silky and Vanjie. Like there's this thing going on. So we have yet to see, um, I, not to, not to knock Silky. Cause I thought Silky was, one of the better ones in the challenge. It's just you can't knock Vanjie for being too Vanjie and not Silky, right? Silky had a problem with her padding. I mean, sorry, I'm digressing because I do want to go back to Sugar because Sugar, I feel like she got red less for the challenge and more with the runway. And so if you're going to go there with Sugar, you can do the same thing with Silky. It's like Silky had a great runway, but in the challenge, like, you know, her hip pads were showing. It's like they, they it was surprising that Sugar was in the bottom. That's all it was. And I mean, I kind of uh, watching Sugar's runway again. I don't I mean, maybe the second one I didn't love so much, but I, I it was fun. I thought the she put on a show in terms yeah, of having like show. three different looks. And I thought that was really cool. And I didn't think that it they were bad. I mean, I don't know. I understood what Michelle was saying. This reminds me of in Drag Race Thailand season two, M. Stranger Fox in her runway when she goes from being this like, you know, she's got all kind of like the drag on and she keeps taking it off and she's just like the little, you know, gay schoolboy underneath. Mm, and it's like right. the final look is ends up being like the least exciting when really right. it kind of should go the other way around. Yeah. And so I could understand that issue with her runway, but... <sighs> I don't know. I I kind of feel like Silky's runway was good, but I mean, I, the hair was probably more of the the feature than the than the dress and the caftan. Yeah, yeah, yeah. agreed. Um, agreed on that. Um, do you want to do you want to move on? Do you have yeah. more words to say? I think we can move on to uh, this <clears throat> this mini challenge. Oh yes, this mini challenge. Um, <laughs> This, uh, this mini, I mean, this mini challenge, yeah, this was, you know, I, uh, I'm always happy to see, first of all, I like, where do I start? I'm just, get the um, ball rolling, Mary, get the ball rolling. Yeah, really, I got, got a couple of balls rolling, yeah. Um, <laughs> they really threw a curveball here. <laughs> they, yeah, they, de they definitely did, yeah. Um, uh, Delta work came in and she, it was a home run, she, um. <laughs> I mean, I'm always happy to see Delta work. I'm always oh, happy yeah, to see Delta work. Yeah, yeah, why not? You know, why I not? I feel like the way that she speaks, the way that she carries herself, I'm like, I want to be that woman. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> I want to be that woman. She's so poised. She's so intelligent. She's so funny. Um, yeah. Uh, she's gorgeous. It's just stupid. Uh, Delta work. <laughs> Delta and work. I also just want to mention Rue was looking like the suit was, it was a, he wasn't doing the the typical kind of, you know, buttoned up shirt he was doing this mm. kind of like low cut tank top thing underneath the suit which i thought was a look with those gloves the gloves was such a choice i was like uh are you gonna get on your harley mary like yeah <laughs> i was like all right sheena easton what are we doing here <laughs> oh god uh, rupaul Ru leather daddy rupaul <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> 
I guess if you're doing a ball challenge, you know, you got to put on those leather gloves. Uh, I guess you do. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, take me out yeah. to the ball game, you know, with those. Leather right. Gloves. Yeah. Um, Otherwise, at least trim your nails, you know. <laughs> <laughs> totally. Um, yeah. So I, I just want to say about this challenge, um, I think it was. Obviously, it was like, you know, supposed to be silly and fun, but it was really just for all of the wordplay and punnery that was going to be shamed in the challenge, but not in the mini challenge. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. You know, with with RuPaul saying, you know, disc ball ass to ass. um, Ass to ass. Do you know what that reference is, Mary? Yeah, it's from Requiem for a Dream. (laughs) It's when Jennifer Connelly goes to that party to to get drugs. And there's that shot of her laying there, like holding the drugs. Oh, after <laughs> that movie is so. You know what? Up. I will say, I will say, because like as to ass, that for me that is a queer reference because uh, I don't know. I, years ago, my friend used to just say it, and I would crack up. He would just out of nowhere would just go ass to ass, and I would just die. Um, and and it's not because the scene is funny, but I feel like, just like with Mommy Dearest, sometimes like the most disturbing scenes are what I think gay people kind of take because it's so shocking to say it, and then the shock of like evoking that scene uh, is what makes you laugh. And so when Ruth said ass to ass, I just died because I just pictured a double-sided dildo. Like it was like, I was like, oh my God. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I kind of feel like, and this is like a whole tangent, and I'm just making this up as I go along, but I would have to imagine there's some correlation, like, if you're gay or whatever you are on the spectrum uh, of sexuality, or whatever you are, is, you know, if there's something fundamental about you that is considered like, oh my god, that's wrong, or that's taboo, that there seems to be some correlation between, like, looking at things that are also considered wrong and taboo and accepting them as, like, or laughing at them like they're normal. You know what I mean? Mm. Like, we're so used to kind of, like, living with that with that dichotomy that you kind of do it in reverse. So, like, uh, I think a good example would be Roxy Andrews at the bus stop. Yes, exactly. I mean, yeah, that whole idea of, like, laughing at things that are, like, actually kind of absurd or tragic. I mean, it, it, depending on where on the, on the scale it falls, it could also fall into, like, campy territory. But I think, yeah. obviously— yeah, you know. Christi- Christina serving drinks and be- and like shaking her butt on her way yeah. out. Uh, the her getting beat by her mother with with uh, you know a, a wire hanger. Like yeah, no so, wire hanger. It's so grotesque, but we laugh at it, right? Because it's so shocking. Right, because it's so and because it's so shocking, and then it's and it's so over the top. And I yes. don't know. I feel like yes. that's a whole other tangent about what is it about things that are over the top that drive gay men crazy you know right <laughs> well you know what's driving me crazy is that the met gala is tomorrow and gala i say uh and the theme is camp and not one oh. drag queen besides rupaul i think is invited like i, I just uh i'm like you stole it you stole everything from us <laughs> yeah I'm sorry. You uh, camp, own everything. Camp, <laughs> camp isn't uh, isn't queer, but I feel like it is a queer aesthetic, right? Susan T- Sontag. Like there is camp is camp is is queer, like, right? Am I wrong? Anyway, no, I, I don't think so. I, I think that I mean, I think that I think that drag queens are integral to camp culture because, as I 
sometimes like to say, if we don't make these references, we lose these references. And I think <laughs> drag queens continue to be these references and play them in Snatch Game and and make them on stage and do lip sync performances and make right. them that way. Like, right. that's how this shit endures. And so, like, yeah, no, drag queens have, like, a big thing, you know, a big role in camp. Drag has a big role in camp. I mean, this is yeah. kind of like when they have a voguing challenge on Drag Race and they don't invite somebody who, like, is actually from, you know, ball culture to teach them how to vogue. Oh, right, right, exactly, exactly. I mean, I love that John Waters was included in a challenge uh, in season seven. Uh, John Waters, I mean— his most brilliant movie is Serial Mom, right? Because it is oh. so it is so mundane and yet so over, so shocking when she gets on that phone and starts. Is this two one two? Fuck you! Like it, everything about that scene, Pussy Willows, Dottie. I mean, it is all insane, uh, and I think it's just so it's so well crafted. Yeah, yeah, and I feel like you know what I love about Serial Mom is. I mean the whole thing, but and and it's hard to like pick out anybody in particular. But obviously Kathleen Turner and Mink Stole. It's just like oh, Mink Stole. I don't ever want to hear women can't be funny. Women can't do drag. Women, you know, it's like this is like they are. They're just like yeah. <laughs> Mink Stole to me. Like I and I I hope. I think this should be considered a compliment that I thought Ming Stoll was a drag queen for a very <laughs> long time because she just she'll go to that territory of yeah. just like. She's not, there's no vanity. And I just think like, I don't know. Uh, that's, I think I, I love Kathleen Turner and Serial Mom, but I love Mink Stoll even more. Oh, Mink Stoll, yes, yes. When she's, when, <laughs> when she's cursing at Kathleen Turner after being dragged out of the courtroom. <laughs> you it, bitch. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Fuck you too, you bitch. Yeah. <laughs> Pig fucker. <laughs> you fucking whore. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, uh, did anyway. you see that? She just said "fuck you" to me. Sorry. <laughs> yeah. All right, we are that we are off our tangy, our vanji for a second. Um. So yes, this this mini challenge uh, was very silly to me and and over the top. I I just was like, this is a great opportunity for all of the ball puns, all of the ball references, uh, without being too, you know, too over the top. Even though you know it was. I mean, Silky certainly came in like a wrecking ball when she picked up. Uh, the, the pit crew member. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. She's just knocking out entire apartment complexes. She's. Yeah. Uh, foul ball. Uh... Yeah. <laughs> Hopefully next week you're out. <laughs> <laughs> Don't bust her balls, Mary. <laughs> She's just walking every week, you know. <laughs> I'm bawling my eyes out. Um, so, <laughs> so, so, so uh, hopefully nature, you know, when nature balls, um, I, I, I got nothing left. Just dust balls. Yeah, I'm gonna um, train you to Racine in a second. <laughs> oh God, my uniform. Um, speaking of the Racine Bell's palsy, ballsy. Um, uh, sorry. The Racine. I don't know one. where this is going. Two, two, the Racine. The the racing bells, right? But then there's the racing bells ballsy. <laughs> oh yeah, no, I'm just not sure who has bells palsy on track. Nobody, race. nobody, Mary. Oh, nobody. <laughs> 
Wheel before and after, Mary. Anyway. Uh, <laughs> oh, it's like a Wheel of Fortune situation. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Racing Bell's palsy. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> oh God, I'm really dropping the ball on this one. Um, yeah. so, so, so <laughs> anyway, I th- dirt in the I th- skirt, I- May. Dirt in the skirt. <laughs> uh, so, <laughs> if these balls could talk, um, yeah. I. I, I <laughs> All right. This, this used All right. to be my playground. I don't know. <laughs> um. Okay. So. <laughs> Vanjie finally wins something. I'm getting us. Uh, we're in the outfield right now. I'm taking us back, <laughs> taking us home. Um, we are. Uh, Vanjie wins. Uh, thank she God. Yes, yeah, she does. Finally, she wins. She wins some yeah. money. She wins a little challenge. Uh, yeah, I. Um, I love these teams actually when they were made. I was like, oh, this is gonna be a good challenge because I was like, you got Nina. You got Sugar, you got Brooke. I'm like, that's a that's a pretty great team. And then you had Silky and Vanjie. I was like, okay. Not to mention Akira and Evie, who are also very, very good. Uh, it's just, you know, they had different approaches to the challenge, which I think is it's kind of what fucked them up. Well, I think, you know, and like Vanjie kind of says this, that like she, she picked all of these like big personalities and then she kind of thought, oh, this is going to be to my advantage. Like I've got all these like strong players, but it's – you kind of have to have complementing energies. And I think that was the problem is that all four of them were really strong energies and there was no one to kind of like, who was, you know what I mean? Like there was no no one willing to kind of go with the flow. They all kind of wanted to be the captain of the ship. So Mm. I feel like it ended up being, I don't know. I'm, well, go ahead. I was going to say that. I think the setup was that, oh yeah, we've got the juggernauts against the underdogs. But then I think, what it really came to be was we've got kind of like uh, the the girls, a lot of people who are just kind of like, well, I don't know if it, I don't know. I mean, we can talk about Vanjie's team, but I think Nina's team, I think it was like you had kind of like three adults in the room, you know? Yeah. I think they were all waiting for Nina to kind of just like take the lead. Um, mm-hmm. I, just to kind of tangent for a second and maybe not tangent, but we'll put a pin in this discussion of the teams. I want to know, because RuPaul was bringing up with Vanjie and with Brooke about them not picking each other. Obviously, like, whatever, who cares? Obviously, there's reasons why they didn't pick each other. But I just want to know where and when are Brooke and Vanessa progressing their relationship forward? Like, when is this all happening? When are they, like, getting closer? Is this happening in the van? Is this happening, like, when they're eating (laughs) dinner? Like, when when are they slipping each other the tongue? You know, are they allowed to, like have conjugal visits in the hotel i i just don't i don't don't get it i don't know i mean that's the thing is i yeah is it happening in the van i think that's that's a very good question are they (laughs) all like all right yeah you guys get the way back and try to you know make up for lost time in the seven minutes till we get to the la quinta down the street you know (laughs) (laughs) la quinta yeah it's the the radisson on lot four you know Yeah. Oh, yeah, the best God. western down the way. <laughs> the home suites that they've all been put up in. Uh, uh, let's be honest, it's the hojos, Mary. It's it's the one it's the one remaining hojo. 
all of America. With the Hooters, you know, next to the lobby. Um, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Maybe a ground round across the street. Oh, yeah. my God, a ground round. Do you remember the ground round, Mary? I Yeah, I, I feel like I, I we never lived near one, but it was a place that I know I went to once on a college tour in high school. We, like, I don't remember where we went, somewhere, like, in the Pennsylvania, Philadelphia area, and we stopped for dinner at a ground round, and, mm. um, yeah. They had really, it was like steak on a stick. It was really good. <laughs> Ground round. I mean, we went on a, a, a choir trip, I think, to see a show once. And on the, oh no, it was on the way to Six Flags down in Tom's River. And we stopped at a Ground Round. And, I, you know, I didn't eat meat. Um, or at least, like, I only ate chicken fingers. Um, and so we stopped at the Ground Round and they had hamburgers and fries. And that was it. And so I was like, well, you know, they pre-ordered everything, so I just ate the fries. Oh, wow. Oh, you didn't even get to order. Wow. No, no, I didn't even get to order. You know, little little 12-year-old Johnny. Anyway, um, I, I, sorry to go on that little tangent. I just don't know what's up with Brooke and Vanessa and how that's all happening because they seem to be, like, getting closer. And as Brooke put it, like, it's a situationship. I'm like, well, what's the situation, Mary? Like, I don't – when is there – how much downtime are they getting and are – you know, they're not showing any of it on camera. You'd think that they would show some of it. Yeah, and I mean, and I just feel like if if you're there in the workroom, like, it's so breakneck and you're working social, such long hours, like, who's in the mood to, like, consummate I a relationship? Know. I know, like, I know. Yeah. I mean, I don't the, know. Whole, the whole shots of, like, uh, Brooke covering, uh, or excuse me, Vanjie covering Brooke's eyes when the pit crew comes out or like Vanjie looking jealous during the mini challenge. Like, Ugh. I think that's, I think it's all mugging for the camera. Not that I hate it. Like, I think it's cute. I think it's fun, but I don't, I just don't buy it, Gia. I just don't. Yeah. This feels like one of those things that like, I'm not convinced. Is, I'm not. It's convinced. not a storyline for me. Like, this isn't like there's the, drag races for a lot of different people, and we all get something different out of it. And there's people who are seeing this who it could be of any age who are just living to see like two gay men, you know, flirting with each other mm -hmm. on TV every right, week. Right, right. Drag and queens it, kissing. Yeah. And it, and it's and maybe maybe they just like maybe they're just getting off on it. Maybe it just feels really good to see a positive example of two men being affectionate. Yeah, so, you know what I mean. Like trying to see the positive because like my my truth is that like I'm not buying it either, Gia. But like here it is. So I'm like, all right. I'm trying to imagine some like 15 year old gay who's like, ugh, I just need to know that this exists. You know? Um, right. Right. Okay, so that's a like, great point. That's a great point. Yeah. Yeah. Great point. So that's how I'm going to make space for it, you know. Um, speaking of things that I want to exist, uh, one of Nina's ideas, Nina's team dynamic are the overthinkers, right? Um, uh huh. Uh, one of her ideas I really want to exist is the sister act where they're just girls left in an orphanage and they grew up in the alleys of Vegas. I'm like, go with that. Like, that. <laughs> Oh like yeah, that's such a great idea. <laughs> well, at one point, Nina said, "I think we should be older," and I was like, "Yes." Like, <laughs> especially like having Sugar there, like she could play that card hard, you know, like that. When all else fails, play older. Really, really, <laughs> really. Oh, really? Um, it's my tempest. Uh, yeah, I. Uh, I don't know. I. I. I loved what they came up with, but it was like, I could, I, I feel like I've seen people saying on SNL, like this could be, or on Twitter, this could be an SNL skit, you know, like 
I could see this being a, a running skit of them doing different magic shows and being, yeah. yeah, these like these Vegas orphans. Yeah. Right. <laughs> right. I just think, I mean, there's so much room for characters or they could even play different sisters in the orphanage that, you know, I just think mm-hmm. it would be really smart. Um, and they could have special guests. Oh, okay. I'm going to stop because maybe I should, you know, pitch this idea. Um, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Hold on to it, you know, write a spec script. Yeah. Uh... <laughs> Let him know. Um, let him know. So the dynamics with uh, with the trucker to woman in 20 minutes uh, and Akira and uh, Vanjie and Evie, uh, this, to me, I think it, uh, it, it was surprising how it turned out. But in retrospect, you're like, oh, of course. These are all very big, strong personalities that are all basically leaders. Oh, just in terms of like how that how that group ended up doing in the final in the final yes. product. Yeah. yeah, yeah, I you know I think there were those moments where one of them would kind of start talking and the other one would say something and like I think that happened with Akira and Evie at one point and there were the, just those like sort of misalignments and mm. it, it like it it wasn't like a total train wreck but it was. Not the elements good. of it, it was not good. <laughs> and the elements of it that weren't working were not working, were very much not working. And Oh, oh, I, you know what? I was watching the pit stop and I think Jinx Monsoon really enlightened me. So Mary's, if you haven't watched it, watch it. Because Jinx Monsoon is very um, astute in this. She points out, she's like, all of these people, if they had to do a magic act on their own, would have been fabulous. But yes. to improvise with each other and bounce off of each other when you're not necessarily used to doing that with each other. I mean, speaking of Evie, who didn't do very well in Snatch Game, um, th- that made total sense that Akira would say something like, uh, you know, oh, I never wear a bra. And then Evie is like, it's, she, basically, she stepped on Evie's line and Evie was like, uh, uh, true. And then had to go back to her magic act. Yeah, it, that's what I was thinking of at that moment. Yeah, yeah, yeah it. it it made sense because Evie is not ready in that moment to improvise. She's on her script. Um, but mm-hmm. Akira on the other side of the team was like, no, no, I'm good at this. I can just play off the cuff. But Evie wasn't there to play, right? Evie wasn't in the sandbox with Akira. She was, you know, on the slide. Yeah. And I think that, you know, as we're talking about Evie, I, I am, I think Evie was like sort of, I mean, clear, unbeatable front runner, just a few weeks ago. Completely. I mean, certainly that. But I'm kind of feeling, uh, you know, it, Snatch Game at Sea, obviously the lip sync was amazing, but, you know, the performance remains. LADP, she was kind of, you know, she, she played, you know, yeah, she was a little bit more of the safe one. This one, I, th- I, it was just oh, like. she didn't do well. I don't think she did well. No. I don't think and that was, she's good. I don't think she's good playing. Uh, uh, you know, words in her mouth or a character. I think that there's there's something missing there. There's not a connection yet, and it doesn't feel natural. Uh, it feels like she's she's about to stop speaking. You know. Yeah, and there's kind of like when I think about some of all of her performances. You know, like um, in Good God Girl Get Out. You know, she she kind of she that wry tone worked in that situation because it was a satire. And then um, in Diva Worship. She was not one of the strong ones, I would say, in Diva Worship. But it was what I found to be very similar in both of that, Diva Worship, Snatch Game at Sea, LADP, and Drag Cadabra, is each time she's chosen this kind of like 
sort of petulant teenage girl tone. Mm, you know yeah. what I mean? The and devil may all, care kind of. Yeah, like, and eh. it's just kind. Of, yeah, and it's just like wry, like you know, sarcastic sort of Daria esque kind of like fuck the world tone, and it's yeah. it's not working. It's not working, and I feel I, like I, it, I I agree, and I don't see her now in the top after this. No. Episode, I don't see her going all the way. Something's got to turn. Like next week during the makeover challenge, she better fucking be in the top or win because she's it. I just don't. I at this point, I see Vanjie taking her place or Nina. I mean, I kind of feel like to compare Nina to, to Evie, I think, I mean, this doesn't take away like Evie's great runways and like her insights oh, and her honesty. Like, We're not taking any of that away, Mary. I'm still like rooting for Evie after Nina. Like I really am. I like her energy and I think but, that I appreciate her drag, but go ahead. But I, so yeah. So like, I, I agree. I exactly the same. I agree. I'm rooting for her as well, but I think to kind of compare her with Nina, I think the big difference is what we were saying before about Nina is like the joy that she's having, the fun that she's having. Longtime Marys are well used to hearing me talk about the how much fun Roxy Andrews was having having in All Stars Two. All Stars Two, right? And that that made a big difference, and it just doesn't feel like Evie's having a good time at all. <laughs> and yeah, so it's yeah. it's hard to have a good time watching her, and right, you know, I mean. It, that's part of it. And I think that that's really permeating is maybe some of like the aggression that Evie's shown or the way that she kind of interacts or the confrontational energy. It's seeping into the performances as well. Yeah. Or, or the editors are just showing us other stories right now. I mean, that's kind of what I think it is. I don't think that Evie is allowing much of the other girls to get to her at this point. I think she's like pretty good. Um, uh, this week, this week, I think her and Vanjie and Akira, well, Akira being a wonderful adult in the room and navigating that conversation, um, it was, it was, uh, it was a jumping off point. It was better than it was before with Evie and Vanjie. Oh, I mean, they didn't, they didn't get into that another cat fight, so right, uh, right. So it was certainly a, a, you know, a progression. Um, yeah, I just, I, I'm, I'm less excited by Evie as of right now mm -hmm. and i mean obviously like i've always been rooting for nina but i guess let's just like i mean kind of saying like i could see evie not being in the top four now you did not see nina last week we talked about this you we kind of both agree that nina might not make top four after this week do you, has your feeling changed on that uh, completely however yeah however sorry that's my marissa tomei um <laughs> However, I would you like me to explain? Um, no, I I think that Nina, the the true test for Nina will be another design challenge, and that's next week. Yeah, I don't I don't know you know which queen she's gonna get. Uh, hopefully, it's someone kind. Um, and I, I although I think all of them get along with Nina, so I can't imagine that it's anybody uh, that she couldn't work with. But I think if, after next week. If Nina stays, then she'll go to top four. There's no way that she would go home if she stays next week. Like if she, right. if, she if her story arc is that she rises above in a design challenge finally, yeah, she's going all the way. But uh, I'm the jury's still kind of out for that for me, which is why I would put Vanjie in the top four uh, at this point because Vanjie is getting this producer edit. Not that Vanjie's, you know, I love Vanjie. I think she's great reality TV. I just think that she should have been eliminated already. 
I mean, the fact that she still has no wins and everybody else. So, like, just, like, Nina now has two wins. Silky has two wins. Evie has two wins. Akira has two wins. Brooke has two wins. Like, everyone else has two wins and she has zero wins. Is that doesn't my... Evie? Doesn't Evie have one? She won Good God, Get a Grip Girl, and she won didn't she win drag olympics maybe no she didn't win drag olympics no maybe she only has one maybe she only has one one. evie only has one but she yeah but she had that lip sync she's she's kind of been you know if you put quotes to her evie rupaul has said you know no one's doing what evie's doing like she's getting a front runner edit certainly you know yeah agreed uh and i think uh i watched brooke at Roscoe's, uh, which I can talk maybe more later. Um, but uh, even Brooke was like, I didn't, I totally did not underestimate Evie. I knew from the first walk-in and scene that she was she was a queen to reckon with because nobody was doing what she was doing. And so that kind of like hint, I'm like, okay, maybe Brooke knows a little bit more about Evie than we do. Yeah, I mean, you know, again, it's like, it's what we're being shown, but I think just like, that's the the running thing that I've been feeling in these challenges is like there's just this mirth with all of her performances that is getting less and less fun to experience. Agreed. You know, Agreed. I mean, I think like it, it's somewhat reminiscent of like Nina Bonita Brown and the way that her anxieties mm. and her paranoia and her depression were seeping into the challenges, you yeah. know, and it was hard yeah. to watch. So, yeah. Yeah, agreed. Um, let's talk about quickly, briefly, maybe this rehearsal with Kyle Marlett, the watermelon man. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, wearing he he, I don't know. Wearing those. Whenever I see somebody in like those kind of like sneakers, it, he just he just looked like he looked like it was a nurse, you know, like a, <laughs> at a an adult daycare facility. <laughs> oh, you, which you, is a you, great you, character. He he, you know, he'd call you Buddy Mary. No, I mean, he would call you. No, no. listen, a nurse at an adult daycare facility is a very nice person. They help old people up. They play yeah. games with them. But there's yeah. just something about that look, about, like, comfortable sneakers you can walk the halls in. You know? <laughs> uh, agreed. I mean, he's, he was – he was very sweet with these queens. I feel like he had very fuzzy gloves on. Um, I also feel like there were so many, so many euphemisms that went on in this rehearsal. Uh, uh, when I think it was one of the queens said, so you actually swallow that? And he said, go ahead and put it in your mouth. I'm like, oh, man. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> well, and, you know, and I think it's what's really interesting about all of this rehearsal and obviously like the the magic show itself is that like, we're never shown it's the way that they present it in the rehearsal we're not being shown how to do the trick and, we're still well, being and, shown the magic of it right i think that's great i think that follows all like magician's code like you're not supposed to know you're not supposed to yeah know. but i think that's like a it was interesting how they handled that because it was like you know i'm watching this and I'm like okay but obviously in reality there's some trick where like you bite the end of the balloon or something and like it gathers in your mouth. Like there's some, there, she, he's not actually swallowing it, you know? Yeah, but where, right. I mean, where did it go? I don't know. You know, it's crazy. It was crazy. All, all I wrote down while watching that was no teeth, Akira, no teeth. Yeah, um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> breathe through your nose, breathe through your nose. <laughs> Oh, God. Um, I read some I also, trick somewhere okay. about squeezing your thumb, but I don't really, I've never found that to work. Is squeezing your thumb while you're deep throating? Yeah, like like I read somewhere like squeeze if you like squeeze your left thumb, like that'll help oh. prevent your gag reflex. But like, 
I don't know. Like that's like one of those as seen on TVs, and then you take it home and you unbox it and you try it, and you're like, nope, still gagged. So <laughs> gooped and gagged. Um, gooped and gagged. Yeah. <laughs> I um I also loved uh, again Silky. Say what you want about Silky. Like honestly, say whatever you want about her. Mute her. Do whatever you want, but don't mute this part because when she started like moaning. Well, he was well. She was pouring the milk, and he was like, "I don't know why you're moaning." Oh yeah, I don't know why you're moaning. <laughs> She's like Ooh. silky, and her unnecessary decisions, like taking her clothes off and untucked. I'm ready to fucking lip sync. <laughs> what does that have to do with anything? You know, I want to say something about silky, and this is—I don't know. Maybe this is a long con. Who knows? But. You know, Silky sleeps. We haven't seen a drag queen sleep on Drag Race since Jinx Monsoon and Tyra Sanchez. And uh-huh. both of them won their season. I took that note. I wrote the note that winners sleep. Um, winners winners sleep because we sleep on them. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Man? Yeah. Don't sleep on these queens because uh, <laughs> they, they're sleeping on you. And then they're going to wake up and you're going to be asleep and they're going to win. <laughs> Oh. oh God! <laughs> okay, Mary. Yeah. Um, I, Wake up, I, six. So... <laughs> <laughs> Wake up, top six. <laughs> Wake up, top six. Yeah, there you go, Mary. There you go. All you right. found it. You found it. That was your cue. That was your cue. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Wake up, top six. That's fabulous. Wake up, Mary. top six. <laughs> when I'm on Drag Race, I'll say that in one of my confessionals. When you're on Drag Race. Okay, when I'm on Mary. Drag Race. <laughs> and I make it to top six. <laughs> Jocelyn Fox. Um, yeah. <laughs> so, uh, I, I mean, we would not be all right, Mary, if we did not talk about Nuance Gate. Uh, Nina oh. West. Nina West, first of all, she, first she has this goosey moment where she completes the challenge and she goes, or she completes the trick and she goes, I'm a I'm trying, Mary. I'm trying. I'm trying. I'm trying, Mary. I'm trying. And then she references Chris Farley. She's like, I just want to find the nuances in Chris Farley's performance. I was just like, Nina West, are you a listener? Yeah. I I mean, when that happened, I was looking around the room. I was like, does anyone have an EpiPen? Because my throat's closing (laughs) up. Like... Like, oh god i mean obviously like vanji vanji uses mary all the time she's she used it in this episode she's like hold on mary um yeah so obviously um, we we don't claim mary at all but it just makes us you know giggle and pounce right when when she says mary and nuance within 15 seconds i think somebody tweeted that to us it was fabulous it was incredible. It, it 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 made me think of that scene in Poltergeist when they open the closet door to go get Carol Ann, and it's just this bright light white, and I'm just like, oh man, this is it. This is the moment. Like it just felt like I was seeing into Nirvana. <laughs> and then you came through the ceiling, and you were, you yeah. know, soaking wet. <laughs> I dropped through the ceiling, covered in Welch's grape jelly. <laughs> oh my God! Get her in the tub! Get her in the tub! <laughs> Zelda Rubenstein, how come she hasn't been a Snatch Game character? Okay. Um, oh, my God, I know. <laughs> so, anyway. Well, when I'm on Drag Race. <laughs> yes, right, right, right. When you're on Drag Race, right, man. Yeah. Um, hashtag when I'm on Drag Race. Yeah. Um, I I think we can talk about the runway. What do you think, Mary? 
I think we could. I, um, I'm super excited about this because, as I said before, caftans are my kind of drag. That is the evolution of the towel dress to me is, I guess it would be a wrap dress, but to me, the, the, the joy of the towel dress is captured in a caftan as an adult. It, oh, oh, it, to me, it just represents freedom. Um, I mm-hmm. feel like whenever I see a caftan, I do believe that it is non-gendered. I, I just feel like it's for anybody and any body type and everybody will feel great in it. Oh, I mean, that's what's so great about them is like they work for so many different types of bodies. Yeah. They like it, it does not require hips or boobs or no penis or a penis or right. whatever, whatever you got there. Uh, it doesn't matter. And comfortable and fashionable and mm-hmm. I just like a, a, easy a to of, easy to pack I love yeah, clothes that are a, easy a to piece pack. of clothing that you can gesture with you know uh, I love yes I love something you know like I'd love to like kind of like what Vanjie was doing in her lips and going to grab part of my caftan and like gesture at somebody with it you know mm-hmm, what I mean mm-hmm. right 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 yeah yeah this was this was a great runway um before we go into the looks, I think it's worth noting uh, what I would assume to be a Best Supporting Actress nominee during the challenge was Raven in the audience. Oh, my and his, God. His reaction shots. David, I guess. Especially, what was it? Um, who was the one that he did like the really, I think it was Silky's. Uh, magic uh, it trick. was Silky. Yes, it was Silky. And Vanjie. Yeah. I think he did Vanjie, too. Yeah. Yeah, I uh, no, I thought that was great. I thought it was just you know Raven. I don't know. It's just like it was like the the exact reaction I wanted was that like kind of sarcastic, over the top reaction. Yes, yes, exactly, exactly. Also, John Polly was in the audience. I don't know if you called. Oh him. yeah, producer yes. John Polly. Yeah, producer John Polly. Um, yeah, I think we've kind of talked about those challenges uh, in general. Unless you yeah. you have anything I mean, I- else that you want to say. I Reverse Shangela, so. I thought was brilliant. Reverse Shangela, obviously the Club ninety six magic, magic. I mean, every single time Nina said magic was different, uh, I thought it was all fabulous. I mean, Nina was. I think Nina, honestly, especially doing her magic trick, but in this entire challenge, I I don't think it's hyperbole to say that this is up there with Jinx Monsoon Snatch Game. Yes, you know, like yes. this is this is one of like. Like, this is RuPaul's Drag Race excellence in terms of somebody who is nailing the challenge and, oh, yeah. like, just taking – there's no critiques. There's no, there's nothing you could say about Nina in this challenge. No. I just no. – I don't – unless you're trying to be nitpicky. I just think that she uh, – it was just so fucking good. And, yeah. Yeah. Um, she had, she, and, and she – knowing that she kind of really conceived this, obviously – Brooke and Sugar helped, but like I feel like Nina was the, the the idea factory here, and she better late than pregnant. I always say with mm-hmm. the line the line about I haven't been on top in a while. We know um, reverse Angela, all of it. I I I'd like to keep it on, please. Like they were doing exactly what you're supposed to do in a challenge, which is reference Drag Race. <laughs> yeah, well, and the like the better late than pregnant is uh, a Golden Girls reference. Yeah, so it's like RuPaul loves the Golden Girls. It's like this. This is like I think we've kind of talked about this before that Nina is very much calculated in a way. She's really trying to think about like doing things like she's like thinking really hard. You can tell the character she chose in Snatch Game, the references she makes, like she's been paying attention mm-hmm. and trying like doing her homework. And I think when I when I see her have a Golden Girls quote in her act, 
I think, okay, you have been paying attention. And even if it's a little on the nose, like it's so, it's, it, it's such a perfect choice. It's too perfect. You know what I mean? Right. Um, but I can't falter because that's how you got to play the game. Um, yeah. Yeah. And she's doing it really well. Uh, I guess in some ways I kind of feel like everything Nina's doing, I'm like, yeah, that's like logically the best way to approach this, you know? I'm I'm with you. I there's a sensibility to Nina that is so refreshing on Drag Race because I'm I'm never like why did she do it that way. Um, sometimes mm-hmm. with the design challenges, I'm just kind of like, huh, why did you do it that way? But at the same time, I don't know anything about fashion, so it like I that I don't falter for it. You know what I mean? Right. Oh yeah, totally. And like I mean, she's she's. She is queen supreme when it comes to pizzas. So, like, I'm <laughs> I am never going to judge anything Nina West does because I just think that she's uh, – I just think that we're so lucky that she's doing anything in front of us. You know right, I mean? right. Agreed, agreed. We are we are blessed when she comes on our screen. Yeah. Um, I, I, I just, I just want to put out a, a shout-out to some Marys – not a shout-out, but a, a question. If you feel comfortable telling me – how that disappearing act between Sugar and Brooke worked. I I logically logically can understand how it works. Like I I get probably how it worked, right? Like there was a hole in the back of the box and uh-huh. you know they, they it was like a switch, like a very quick switch. Like I get that that's probably what happened. But if any Marys like know exactly how that works, I won't tell anybody else. I I was so gagged. I was like, I was not expecting that. I thought that they were going to drop the the curtain completely and Sugar was still going to be there and Brooke wasn't going to be in the box. Like, that's how I thought the right. challenge was going to go. I mean, that one I felt, I think you're onto it. There's probably a hole and there was a quick switch and all that. For me, it was Nina's trick. I was like, where oh, did that I don't understand bottles come all. from? I have no idea how that worked. No uh. idea. None. And I mean, I just like, and one for Mama Rue. Yes. I mean, <laughs> she's sober. <laughs> uh, she's sober. <laughs> she's sober. She was sober. <laughs> she was sober. They were um, sober. Yeah. And every face, I, you know, if there's any Marys out there that want to put a compilation of every single time Nina West says magic, please put it together. I, I don't have that type of technological uh, equipment to be able to do that. Uh, that mm-hmm. But that's what I want. I just want the supercut of Nina West saying magic every time uh, during this challenge. And I just want to also add, like you had mentioned before, like in the whole thing about nuance, like getting these Chris Farley nuances. She At the beginning of the season, she kind of said like some of her influences of drag are like Pee Wee Herman. Like she has male and female influences mm. in her drag. And I love well, And they're that, also in drag. Like Pee Wee Herman. Well, so I'm saying, I love that Chris Farley is like – because like, yes, he was doing like such funny – like the lay off me, I'm starving girl. Like Chris <laughs> Farley, I just love the whole idea of Chris Farley inspiring a drag queen because his 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 comedy was so – not drag and drag at the same time, you know. Lay off me, I'm starving. <laughs> Lay off me, I'm starving. Like, <laughs> uh, and Chris Farley's Chris Farley's the one where they have the housekeeping joke, right? And it's David Spade saying housekeeping. Yes, 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 from Tommy what Boy. Hotel is this? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god, I watched Tommy Boy so many times as a kid. I know, I like so many times because really? we did as a kid. Yeah. Really. I, 
I've seen that movie. I guess that, that doesn't surprise me. I guess that doesn't surprise me about you. Yeah. Oh, so many times I've seen that movie. I love that movie. Are you more of a Chris Farley or a David Spade? Oh, I love Chris Farley. I just think he's David Spade is a he's a weird character. Uh, I was watching uh, the other night. I I guess maybe on Friday. I don't know. Whenever uh, I watched the uh, the Comedy Central roast of Pam Anderson. And, oh, fabulous! Oh, I mean, B. Arthur's on it. Like, oh it's my great. god, it's so good. Sarah Silverman's it's, joke. I still tell Sarah Silverman's joke. Which one? The one where she goes, um, you know, everybody says, everybody says that Pam Anderson would be nobody without her boobs. She would be nobody without her boobs. And that is absolutely not true. It is not true. She'd be Paris Hilton. (laughs) Right, right. (laughs) I mean, there were some like filthy fucking jokes. No, it was, it was absolutely filthy. That rose. I I just was shocked, but, um, I don't know why I'm bringing this up, but, uh. Why am I bringing this up? Why am I talking oh, about Pam Anderson? Oh, uh, uh, Chris Farley. Chris uh, Farley. David oh, because Spade. David Spade, he like, you know, filmed a little like he wasn't there, but he filmed a little video for her. And like watching it, I was like, damn, David Spade. What a strange like character in mm. in of 90s media. You know? Yeah. Yeah. I hear that. Definitely. He's 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 up there with uh, I don't know, like Adam Sandler to me is kind of in that 90s like, huh, you know. Yeah, it's like these people where you see them now, and it's just like, shouldn't you be in 1997? What are you doing here? Yeah, right, <laughs> right, right. Sing your Hanukkah song. It was fabulous. Yeah, um, yeah. <laughs> um, just do your other- little Hanukkah song and go home. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's a good song. Um, so anyway, we I think we talked about the Black Magic a little bit uh, and, you know, kind of stumbling on each other. Uh, so Silky's padding, all of that. Um, all of that. Yeah. So let's talk about these caftans. If you had to pick the winner, who would you pick? Oh, man. Um, I mean, uh, you know, obviously, like, what Nina did is, like, my kind of drag. I love a yeah. classic, you know, 70s caftan. I love that caftan that Mrs. Kasha Davis did in the nude runway. Mm. I love that. I love a caftan. Um, I really appreciated what Evie did. Um, I thought that was really cool and uh, really artistic. Um, I thought it was, I thought it was cheesy. <laughs> it oh, looked God. like Swiss cheese. Oh, uh, I hate the Swiss. They put holes in my cheese. <laughs> oh, I also, you know, I was when I was watching and I wrote shredder. No, shred her. <laughs> shred her and sprinkle her over an omelet. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it was a gorgeous runway. No, it really was gorgeous. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. I uh, I lo- I thought it was great. I thought it was just like really interesting and kind of like okay. Well, even if she falls short in kind of these performances, like her her visual, you know, art is incredible still. Right. Um. You know. Uh, other than that, I mean, Brooks was fine. You know, Akira wasn't really wearing a caftan. I mean, um, Akira. I thought I loved everything about Akira's look. Butterfly. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, another bug on the runway. Another bug on the runway. Um, yeah, there's another bug on the runway. Yeah, it, I just, I think, uh, yeah, it was. It wasn't the challenge, right? It wasn't. It was the challenge. Yeah. Um, I have to say that I thought Brooke. I mean, Brooke looked absolutely gorgeous. And again, just the length of the caftan is what gave me drag about it. Because obviously, you know, I think caftans are for anybody. So when you kind of drag, make caftans more drag, I'm more of a fan. It was simple, 
uh, but I thought it, I thought she looked the most stunning, and then Nina, um, and and yeah, and then Evie. I think I think for me that's kind of where my aesthetic goes. Um, I thought Silky Caesar who was cute. Oh. Uh. Yeah, yeah. It was just like you know, she she just she just looked like a novelty you know anal beads toy you know. <laughs> You know, like really easy at the beginning and then really hard towards the end, you know? <laughs> oh, God. Uh, get the gun oil, Mary. Um, yeah, I, right. I think I can. I think I can. I think I got to go to the hospital. <laughs> uh, get these cookies. Um, yeah. Uh, Vangie with the septum piercing. I th- again, it was different for Vangie. You know, it wasn't, it wasn't a, a bodysuit. It wasn't a bathing suit. Uh, but... I think Vanjie at this point, like, again, her performance was just damp. There wasn't a lot of fire there. She looked really nervous and unprepared. And I think that's yeah. kind of what put her in the bottom. Yeah, I mean, I, I really liked her caftan, and I think, and we see it obviously in the lip sync, but I think to go back to this idea that caftans are for everyone, I really liked that the the bare chest was, like, fully presented in the caftan. Like, it was like, oh, yeah. Like, I like that Vanjie does, like, a bare flat chest often. I think... When, like, you know, neck up, she's doing a very much, you know, a, a woman kind of mm-hmm. aesthetic. Mm-hmm. I think that's that's cool. I You know, you know, no boobs and a big ass, so to speak. Like, I'm into yeah. that. No boobs and a big ass. Yeah. No boobs and a big ass. <laughs> no, you got no boobs and a big ass. Hey, oh, boom, boom. God, she's a great judge. She's a great judge. Oh, <laughs> Natasha Leone. I still haven't watched Russian Doll, but I'm going to now. Oh, same, 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 yeah. same, same. Um, speaking of the lip sync and Vanjie's nipple, um, which yes, you know, I, I, for me, because you're like, oh, I love that she does the flat chested thing. I, I agree, but why didn't she tape her caftan to her chest? I just felt like it was so distracting during the lip sync that she kept closing her caftan. Yeah, I mean, I think that's the thing is like if if you're if it's gonna open up, just leave it or like let it happen, but right. don't keep futzing with it. But yeah, I, I agree. I, I mean, I. I it was, it was cool to kind of like see the the nipple and this, you know, like the kind of the, the gender fuckery of it all. Like mm-hmm, that was mm-hmm. really cool. But I think, but I like, love how they didn't blur it like they would with Valentina because they're like, oh, clearly this is a boy, right? Well, like like the, uh, the censors were like, oh no, that's a man. <laughs> well, and that's just so crazy to me because like there's two cases where neither of them, it, you know, it's flat chests. Uh, both of them are wearing, you know, what what's considered to be women's clothing. Forgetting what whatever we're saying, and all right, Mary, right. Uh, like they're doing these like neck up female illusions, or you know, a specific fem- you know, cisgender female illusion, whatever. All those qualifiers. Um, why would why would Valentina get blurred and Vanjie not? It's crazy. Um, I I, I want to just quickly mention the poetics of Drag Race lip syncs again. The, the lip sync is no more drama in my life. Vanjie used to have a lot of drama with some of the other girls, particularly Evie, and that's kind of over now, it seems. Like, she knows how to deal with it. And then also mm. Suga. Suga was clocked, I think it was last untucked, where she's like, girl, ugh, the drama. And now she's off the show, so no more drama in her life. No more drama for Suga. Yeah, you yeah. got what you asked for. Right. Um, <laughs> I mean, yeah, if you think about it that way, like, Vanjie's performance in some ways, it's like, you know, to get, like, real, like, you know, uh, big about it. It's like, yeah, like, this exorcism of the drama. Like, that's it. Mm. I'm, I, that's it. I'm done with the drama, you know? <laughs> <laughs> Gotta get my head in the game. That's it. <laughs> I'm um, back to- in the mansions. 
did you say I'm back with a vengeance? <laughs> yeah, that's what she said in the commercial. I love that. I'm back oh, with I a vengeance. Missed it. I missed it. I've been um, saying that for like weeks. <laughs> oh, I love it. I love it. Um, I, for me, this lip sync, I, I felt like both of them moved way too much. For me, this was like a stand there and fucking deliver the song. And then as the song kind of grows a little bit, then you can kind of do what Vanji did with all of those poses at the end. All that, um, all that, um, uh, caftanography she was doing. Yes, I really yes. enjoyed. Yeah. Yeah. I loved it too, but I, I feel like both of them moved too much throughout, you know, the beginning and middle of the song. Um, this was neck and neck for me. I really liked Sugar Moore. What I mean, what can I say? I just I thought she had the, ma- the the mouth, the face for it. And I know that I'm on in left field. I know that everybody loved Vanjie, and I'm not saying I didn't love Vanjie. I just gravitated and kept watching Sugar for whatever reason because of her face. And I felt like Vanjie had the movement, but in her face, I just kind of felt like she looked a little bit more nervous and, and not like she had done before in some of the lip syncs. And the nipple thing was just distracting to me. And I felt like she was distracted by it. And I could tell. I guess the one thing with Sugar is I feel like she, we saw this with her, her lip sync against Ariel is like, she, she would close her eyes a lot when she was lip syncing. And it kind mm. of like, that's such a connecting point. And I felt like that was, kind of shutting her down a little bit or closing her off a little or making it more internal. It was like lip syncing in the shower. And yeah. so, uh, so you don't get the water in your eyes. And so I I kind of knew that Sugar was going to go home because what Van, Vanjie was kind of doing, other queens who have won have done the similar thing where it's kind of like she she plays she she plays it down a little bit. She did, She did a more like lived in performance instead of mm. this like, big diva performance and i feel like i mean i love that because it's it's more nuanced but i feel like in general rue loves that because it gives the queen an opportunity opportunity to do some kind of like little human moment or gesture or like to capture this nuance in a song and highlight it and like Uh rue rue always loves when they do that because it's like attention to details and it's like I don't know. Like, there's you could do a compilation of queens doing something nuanced. One of the most you know perfect examples I could think of is like Juju B doing the little like air keyboard in her lip sync against Pandora. <laughs> right. Like, if you do something a little quirky, that always gives you like such a, a lead in the in the lip sync. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I will say, you know, to to go against my previous assertion of sugar doing better sugar was more over the top like it was a little bit too much at times but Mm -hmm. at the end of the day i felt it was a little bit more engaging uh and again not to shade anything on vanjie's performance i just you know my opinion mary um sugar did sugar did better yeah well i mean i think that a lot of people would at least agree that you know that sugar shouldn't have been there in the first place right Um, right right you know, it's yeah, it's a shame, but I I think this is one of the clearest cases, much like you know Jocelyn Fox, for example, where after <laughs> Trinity left, they took away all of the makeup for uh, darker complexions, oh, and right. then they had a makeover challenge in which uh, she had a uh, queen with a or you know a, had a gremlin with a darker complexion, <laughs> and uh, no way to paint her, and so I feel like. Yeah, sometimes they got to like, listen, girl, we did, we, we did not expect you to stick around as long as you did. You really did staple that shit to y'all, Ia girl, but we got to get you out of here. <laughs> yeah, the writing was on the wall. She didn't see it. Um, hopefully she saw it after watching this episode. She does have a one-woman show coming up in June at the Lori Beachman Theater 
Um, I believe Scarlett just ended hers uh, at the Laurie Beachman. Laurie Beachman is like prime real estate for drag race queens. You know, I think oh. we saw Jinx Monsoon there. I mean, it's they're doing a they lot. All, they all do a show there at some point. Like, I don't yeah. know why I don't take more advantage of it because I'm sure they're a lot of fun. Um, yeah. The food's terrible at the Lori Beachman. And oh, like required, God. You know, it's like, what is it, like a two-drink minimum and a meal? I'm like, take this Yankee pot roast away. I don't want it. <laughs> <laughs> no, take these uh, beef medallions, please. <laughs> oh, <laughs> these <God>. rib tips. <laughs> um, <laughs> I don't want them. Uh, um, I don't want them. I don't want them. <laughs> Meanwhile, Jinx Monsoon, dra- <laughs> Monsoon drank your entire glass of white wine. Yeah, I yeah, I'm still <laughs> I'm still really salty about that because that, co- that cost like fourteen dollars for yeah, like right. You know, and you had to buy two of them. You had to buy two. I had to buy two of them, so I had to buy three of them. <laughs> three. Um. Anyway, I uh, w- yeah. Uh, why don't we move on to best supporting actress nominees because that'll bring us into Untucked, I'm sure. Yeah, I mean, this week it was hard because there was, again, just such a clear front runner. I mean, I think some credit can go to Vanjie talking through tears on the runway. Oh, yeah. yeah. I, I really enjoyed Ross's, um, his anger over the caftan. It's like, I'm sorry <laughs> to get angry about this. I I appreciate his reverence for a caftan. It's certainly best supporting actress worthy. His um, religion, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, not in my religion. You know, I mean, I, I, I think to say that Nina West is Best Supporting Actress is to undermine the fact that she's Best Actress this week. Yeah, she's Best Actress. Yeah, Because really, the Best Supporting Actress of this episode, and I, someone tweeted us this, and Mary, you're 100% correct, is Brooklyn Heights' mother. Yeah, her mom. Her mom. I, yeah. you know, it's funny. We just did, in terms of recording schedule, we we just did the Drag Race Thailand episode, right. uh, the, the musical episode last week. And obviously it was a very emotional episode. And I was like, oh, like dra- RuPaul's Drag Race never makes me cry like this. Well, I'm eating <laughs> those words. I know. Oh, man. To hear what she was saying, to, to it was so well put. It was so yeah. well stated and so lived in and truthful and honest where she was like, yep, this is this is how I see it now. Right. I just got to love my kid. Um, yeah. And and it's and I'm not perfect and it's not perfect. And like it, everything she was saying, all with like, you know, red rimmed eyes and like just the, the edge of tears in her voice. I was just like, like, I, yeah. I was like, I really don't. I. I, every time I watched it, I'm like, I just like, it's like the musical episode of Drag Race Thailand. I'm like, I, I can't stop crying if I wanted to. I'm like, come on. Yeah. I just reapplied this makeup. You know, like I just, uh, I've lost a lot of eyeliner thanks to Brooklyn Heights mom. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That Again, when whenever a parent uh, speaks about their journey through acceptance, obviously like, there's some parents where it's like, yeah, I love my gay kid. I've always loved my gay kid. You know, it's like, I'm a P-flag mm-hmm. mom. You know, obviously the, the Debbies from Queer as Folk are fabulous and I love them. But what interests me, because it relates more to my parents' story, one that I can relate to, is when parents have to go on a journey from tolerance to acceptance. And in, in the case of Brooke's mom, and we haven't even talked about the families on Drag Race Thailand. We're going to do that next. But in the case of Brooke's mom or mum, yeah, she went from tolerance to acceptance to 
now she's involved. She's on the fucking show. Yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> and I feel like Brooklyn's mom has no idea how many people needed to hear what she said. Yes. yes. You know? And I just think, like, Drag Race, like, you know, there are certain things at the social justice corners and whatnot where, you know, it, sometimes it's shoehorned in, sometimes it's not. But, like, there's the sense of, like, oh, this is, you know, this is good to have this on the show. People need to hear this, need to see this. And I think this may be one of, like, the best, like, examples and the best presentations of it. Like, I just, I, I'm I'm really blown away uh, just, like, how genuine mo this was. And... Um, yeah, you, you don't, you don't, what I, I really <clears throat> appreciated when she brought up the, um, the bullying that she witnessed mm -hmm. Bro Brock go through, because yeah. as, as a, you know, this, this little guy watching Brooke on screen, I'm like, oh man, Brooke would bully me, you know, Brooklyn's tall and gorgeous and thin and talented and all of that. And then meanwhile, I'm like, oh, right. Brooke is also, is also gay and also downtrodden and had to go through fucking trials. Like it humanized Brooke in a way that I needed Brooke to be humanized a little bit because otherwise I was like, Oh, you're, you're perfect. Right. Like you're killing this competition. Um, and so when she brought that up and then was like, and it killed me like as a mother to watch that, it killed me. It, it as a, as a listener, it killed me because I had to watch, you know, then I thought about my mom, like literally yeah. dying because whether it was, you know, me being bullied at school or if it was my father bullying me, right? Like, she had to witness it. Yeah, and that sense of, like, there's nothing I can do to stop this. And, right. you know, I mean, I think, yeah, I think my, my mom had the same feeling. I was I was bullied plenty. Uh, and, you know, there's there's only so much you can do. And there's only so much you can do to stop it, to control it, to even, like, find out about it, you know? I yeah. mean, yeah. I and I think that, like, that's got to be just such an awful feeling. And you know, uh, Brooklyn's mom basically pulled a Viola Davis in doubt and took like a <laughs> smidgen of screen time and just stole the whole fucking show. <laughs> I mean, she just till June did, you know, I just, just I, <laughs> she, it's just till June. Um, I, uh, I got this idea this weekend. I don't know if I should share it on the show. I might lose it, but I want to write this like little short film called, it's just till called just till June. And it's just like, two gay guys walking through a park talking about how great Viola Davis was in doubt. <laughs> I'll film it, Mary. Just find yeah. another person. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think it'd be great. And I want to have like a booger moment, like all of that. And like why she should have won the best supporting actress Oscar that year. Like I just, <laughs> and I want to film it. So it kind of is like a rainy day in a park, similar to like the scene in doubt. Like, yeah, I don't know. So if I, if right, I, if I see right, that, if I see that on YouTube or Vimeo, I'm coming for you, Marys, and I, I'm, I'm coming to collect my royalties. Uh, uh, anyway, um, any, any other thoughts on the beauty of, of Brock's mom? Uh, you know, I just think it, you know, she's, God bless Brock's mom. And I, I'm so excited for hopefully a reunion where they kind of cut to her in the audience and she gets yeah. a moment because she's, yeah. uh, she's up there with Katya's mom of like moms of drag race, you know? Right. Right. Yeah. It would be great to see her kind of try to do drag um, with her perfectionist son, you know? Oh, my God. Yeah. Like, this is someone I would love to see on a makeover challenge. Yeah. Right. Right. I mean, not for nothing. God bless a mother who will put her son in dance classes. Right. Like, and just allow that to be. I mean, that alone is, I think, an act of defiance. Like, my mother 
you know, insisting that I drop out of baseball and I, and I do acting and I go into musical theater camp and whatever, like that was, she saw, she knew what I, the people that I needed to be around. And I feel like whether, you know, Brock's mom didn't know or not, she still sensed like, okay, my son is this. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I think that, uh, you know, when she talks about this whole idea of like, you know, you, this expectation that you shape and mold your children into being somebody. And it's like, it's been the reverse that like they've shaped and molded me. What I loved about that was like the underlying concept there is that I'm not asking my children to change who they are because of what I want them to be. Mm -hmm. I'm recognizing what their journey is teaching me and what their journey is asking for me to do and for how, how I need to grow to help support them. Cause that's my job now is not to tell them who, who to be, but to help them figure that out and right. support that. And that is, I mean, I think that takes, I'm obviously not a parent, but I think I would have to imagine that that takes a lot of guts and a lot mm. of like sleepless Searching. nights to let you, yeah. yeah, to let your kid become who they are. And like that, that a lot of times that involves missteps and that involves getting hurt because that's how you learn the big lessons and that's how you learn how to like that's where the big growth is is when you you know uh you know whatever you you date the wrong person or you try the wrong thing or you pursue the wrong you know uh venture and you know it doesn't work out it's the how you figure out how to get back up is how you grow and like you know, there's this whole idea of like, you know, the helicopter parents or the snowplow parents. I mean, just... I will say it's like whenever you see a parent that is raising their kid as if they are the one to be molded, it always ends in conflict. There's always a problem. There's always something that is wrong. That kid will grow up eventually resenting you because you weren't allowed to do this and they didn't let you do this. And I... I just and, and I think about, you know, my dad who wanted me to be somebody completely different than who I am right now. And it's like, I how could he be disappointed in me right now? You know what I mean? And and, and so it takes a while f- and he's not. But it takes a while, I think, for parents to realize like, oh, actually, this is better. This is better than them being miserable, trying to please me and be somebody that they're not. Yeah, and and I would have to imagine for a lot of parents, the the way that they're maybe are seeing it or feeling it is like they feel as if they know what is best for their kids so that their Mm -hmm. child will be happy and will be safe and will thrive. And so like they become very attached to that idea. And so for their kid at whatever age to to deviate from that, it's like, well, now I don't feel in control. Now I don't feel safe about your journey because it's not the one I – I think is best. And even that one isn't a guarantee, right? Like how many people follow the paths their parents want them to go on and the car just goes into the fucking ditch. So, <laughs> you know, <laughs> Jesus. Oh God. Five, five, five car pileup. Um, yeah. Yeah. So I, incident in highway 99. Yeah. 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 Parents. Again, I'm not a parent. I, a lot of my friends are parents. Um, there are some beautiful things about parents raising their kids, quote unquote, the right way or the way that they think they should be in the world. Right. Like, you know, treating animals respect, uh, saying please and learning how to share like all of that, I think are like, you know, 
having a moral compass, like all of that is fine. Like keep all of that, but you have to recognize individuality. And I think that's what we're talking about is this individuality that comes out with kids where you have to, as a parent, recognize what are my wants that are not needs for this kid. Yeah. And when you have a kid who is in whatever way, I mean, I guess the only way to describe it is like there's elements of them that the general, you know, the way the world works doesn't service them, you know, whether they're gay or fat or trans or, you know, other than straight white or whatever, and, you know, whatever, like all these different variations where, oh, the road's going to be a little bit rougher here, a little bit harder there, or that's not available to you. Um, I mean, I think that, like, I don't know. Uh, I don't know where I was. I started that idea, and I don't know where I was supposed to go with that. But I think that for those kids, parents, parents of those people, it's like even more so you have to let them discover who they are because, like, I don't know. Like, I just think – it's a harder journey when someone doesn't fit into that model, but I think it can yield a more beautiful result. Yeah. Yeah. I, 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 I think so many, so many of my friends and the reason we connect so many of my friends and I share in common, the idea that we had to break, we had to find a new path and figure it out ourselves. Uh, you know, quote unquote, to, to quote somebody else in this episode, uh, sugar cane who went home I think it's appropriate um, it's like the blind leading the blind right I think so many gay friendships and gay relationships and just people that aren't following the norm or the or the model are like the blind leading the blind and it there's something beautiful about it uh, you know uh, Tennessee Williams I think hit it right hit the nail on the head with it yeah I mean certainly I mean I think like the there's kind of two ways to look at it right like we're either we're the blind leading the blind, but like, I think that's a, it talking about the same journey, the way people talk about it. There, another way to talk about the journey, what I'm trying to say is um, that there are no, there's no rules, you know, rules are, there are no rules uh, that, <laughs> you know, yeah. I knew you were going to say it. So I jumped on it. <laughs> I could feel it coming. So I said it, <laughs> but, if, if, but, if, but if that's like a stunted sneeze, you need to take it out. Then just go for it, girl. <laughs> Come on. Say it. The rules are there are no rules. There we go. <laughs> oh, that's better. <laughs> um, that's why. That's why. Um, so, uh, um, oh, I'm I'm forgetting what my point was with that. Uh, the blind levels. leading the blind. The blind. Oh, leading oh. The, blind. the whole. Anyway, the whole idea that like there are no rules, right? Like there's no model. There's no. We don't have to get married at a certain point. We don't have to have kids. We don't have to move to the suburbs. We don't have to do any of that. And that can be very liberating. Um, but I think that can be very scary if you don't like develop those inner tools of like, you know, treating animals well and being nice to other people and sharing yeah. and like having right. all those basic human skills, those will help you navigate all that, like, you know, unnavigable, unnavigated territory. You know what I mean? If you have those, if you're a basic good human, you'll figure it out. Yeah. You'll figure it out. Uh, put some butter on it. Uh, with yeah. that Mary's, with that Mary's, we're going to end our Drag Race Dragra Cadabra discussion here. If you have any thoughts, uh, we'd love to hear from you. You can reach out to us on Twitter at AllRightMary, or you can find us on the web at www.AllRightMary.com, or you can email us at AllRightMaryPodcast at gmail.com. 
And if you're nasty, you can follow me on Instagram. I'm just kidding. You don't have to be nasty. Um, please don't be nasty. Uh, at Johnny also. And if you're real nasty, you can get more <laughs> of me on my podcast in the details. The celebration of nuance. Oh, yeah, filthy, filthy. Um, and if you're just like a raunchy, wretched mess, you could follow me on Twitter at Colin Drucker and Instagram at Colin Drucker underscore. Um, you know, I no, I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna. I'm not asking for nudes or anything. I'm just kidding. Um, but I'm not not asking. Anyway, um, you could also get. Well, I'm not rejecting them. I'm just not like. I, I got I got Tumblr on my phone. I'm fine. Uh, but you could also uh, get more of us at Patreon at patreon.com backslash all right, Mary, uh, where you can get, as you probably know by now, recaps of Drag Race Thailand season two, Jumpin' Jack Flash, which we talked about this episode, mm, um, so and good. like a gazillion of other a gazillion other recaps, hot takes, some videos, a whole mess of shit. There you go, Mary. Um our last chance lip sync uh, was tricky for me, tricky for me to figure out because uh, I had three that came to mind. The first one that came to mind was an obvious one, Magic Man by Heart. And I love that song. The, the problem with it is that it's very instrumental and air guitar-y at the end. So Oof. I was like, well, maybe not Magic Man. And then I thought of Black Magic by Little Mix because it's very poppy. And I'm like, oh, this could be in a club. You could do this with a duo or a quartet or, you know, something. Uh, but really, I ended up because it has the word drag in it, Mary. Um, not in the title, but in the lyrics uh, was Trick Bag by Tina Marie. So the last chance lip sync this week is Trick Bag by Tina Marie. And uh, I hope you lip sync to it in your shower, in your bath, in your car, on the subway, wherever you're listening. Uh, and we hope that you have a really fabulous week. Yeah. Um, everything you said, you know, uh, reach into that trick bag and, you know, see what comes out. Pull out a rabbit, you know, plug it in and have a good time. <laughs> <laughs> Anyway, that's all I got. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> they just take batteries. You don't got to plug them in. I bet you charge them now, these new models. It's not a Hitachi wand, for God's sake. Oh, my God. How do you – what's the spell for shut up? <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. Uh, is it, is it Espresso Patronum? Yeah, I think it's group bra. dancing at a wedding. <laughs> Expelliarsist. Um, <laughs> I think I think that's all, Mary. Uh, we'll see yeah. you next week. <laughs> so yeah.